0: Welcome to the Girl Gang Conversations, a podcast that's all about connection, sisterhood, and having conversations that matter. I'm your host, Sarah Stars, and every week I speak to inspiring women about the nitty-gritty of how they live with passion and purpose. We dive deep into our journeys, the obstacles we've overcome, our dreams, what's working for us and what isn't. We're totally honest about what we're learning, what our daily rituals look like and what we're struggling with. We don't shy away from the hard stuff and we really go into it all. Spirituality, personal development, magic, routines, career, friendship, relationships, sexuality, and so much more. The most powerful two words in the English language are, me too, and it's my hope that these conversations help us all feel less alone. This isn't about preachy self-help or self-improvement, it's about self-acceptance and talking about the things that matter to us. Hello and welcome to the Girl Gang Conversations episode 55. You can access all of the show notes for this episode at Sarah Stars. That's S-T-A-R-R-S, Stars slash podcast slash fifty-five. Today's interview is with Amy Keretsky. Amy is a health coach for creatives, licensed acupuncturist, Chinese herbalist, and woo-woo as fuck. She helps busy bosses fuel their hustle by honoring their health and their bodies and helping them heal their digestions. She started following this path after being diagnosed with Crohn's disease, an autoimmune disease of the gut, over 10 years ago, and using natural healing therapies to heal her own digestion and become her healthiest self ever. We talked about her journey of healing from Crohn's, tapping into our intuition, the fact that foods aren't the enemy, but not every food is for every person, and how the elements are connected to our body and can help us live in more harmonious ways. Hi, Amy. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited. I've been really looking forward to this conversation.
1: I'm super excited, too. I'm, I love punk rock development. This is going to be great.
0: <laughs> um, so what I've been doing recently to get to know people is asking about a typical day in their life, which I know is kind of, kind of a misnomer. It's not something that really exists, but I'd love if you could tell us a little bit about what that might look like for you and what are the routines or rituals that anchor your day?
1: All right. Well, so I work with clients all day long. I am both a licensed acupuncturist and herbalist, and I also work with health coaching clients all around the country. So I'm constantly interacting with other people's energy all day long. So when it comes to routines and habits, I do a lot of grounding and anchoring exercises and routines to really keep my energy with me and keep their energy with theirs and like just really keep things both separate but strong and stable. And so um, I have a meditation practice. I'm really diligent about exercising on a regular basis. Um, I have herbs and elixirs that I partake in regularly. Um, I have a tarot deck that I consult with regularly and do daily draws and spreads and whatnot. Um, So those are just a handful of the things that I some of the tools in my tool basket, I guess you could say.
0: I think, um, you know, it must be so much more kind of potent when you're interacting with people on a really energetic level every day. But living in this city and for people who are highly sensitive or maybe they identify as empathic, it can feel, I think, really difficult not to be constantly picking up other people's energy. And I'm curious, do you have any really simple practices or advice for kind of grounding yourself and keeping your your energy your own?
1: Yeah, there's a um, there's a couple different meditations that I do that are more based in, like, Qigong meditation, so, like, energy medicine meditations where – you know, there's the the most common ones that people will think of are kind of the, the golden egg or the bubble that you can visualize around yourself to really protect your energy. But that one can also be really energy draining almost in a way because you are the battery for that bubble, mm. if that makes sense. And so you can also do like visualizations or meditations that um, – where the energy is more coming from the earth and whatnot. And it's not necessarily coming from you as a person having to um, energize and protect that bubble the whole time. Uh, There's a visualization that I really love that calls upon the five elements. And so it calls upon the energy of the five elements and the animals that go along and are associated with each of the elements and the colors and really incorporates the energy of the earth into like almost creating this army of elemental energy all around you and i think that one can be really powerful sometimes
0: that's so beautiful and is that a meditation like a guided meditation that i could link to in the show notes
1: yeah i can um i will give you an mp3 that you can absolutely do that too
0: perfect um and I was curious, you know, you mentioned exercising regularly. What are your favorite kind of styles or, or modes of, um, of exercising?
1: Uh, I – well, a couple of different things. I am by no means what you would have called a athletic child. <laughs> like, I was not very physically active at all growing up, and I – I didn't um, gravitate towards exercise and really physical movement until I was in grad school for an acupuncture school. And it was the stress and whatnot of such a rigorous program because acupuncture school is like full-time, year-round, three years long, you're like really in it to win it for this master's degree. And so it's a incredibly stressful time in people's lives that are going through that program. And I was sitting all day long in class, and then I would be in clinic in the evenings, and that actually includes a lot of sitting too. And so I needed something that was like really active because sitting will stagnate the chi, the energy of the body. And so I already tend towards stagnation as like a natural constitution in my body. And so then all that extra sitting was not really working for me energetically. And so I needed something that was like really physically aggressive. And I got into CrossFit at the time. A girlfriend of mine was doing it and was raving about it. And it seemed scarier than shit at the time. But I was like, okay, I'll try it. And the first time I went, I, I felt like a like, an 18-wheeler, like, hit me afterwards. I was dead to the world but it was also like really exhilarating and so I've continued doing CrossFit since then I go like two to three times a week um, and then I also really enjoy cycling like I ride my bike a lot both for transportation and for enjoyment um, I've been really into going on early morning walks lately like, like they're almost a form of meditation for me like I'll get up and especially now that the sun is rising later and later as we get closer to But I've been going for walks like as the sun is rising lately, which has been really beautiful and like really calming. Um, And then I'm actually doing a lot of like weightlifting, like separate from the CrossFit as well. And I'm doing my very first powerlifting meet in like less than a week. I'm doing it on Saturday, which I'm really excited about.
0: Oh, wow. How exciting.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs)
0: I'm really interested to hear more about your journey and I was wondering if you could just kind of paint us a picture of maybe what your life was like before your Crohn's diagnosis um you know in terms of health and were you woo-woo as fuck uh before (laughs) is that like a lifelong thing or something you've come to after
1: okay well I'll backtrack just a tiny bit since your listeners probably don't know what Crohn's disease is, but um, Crohn's disease is an autoimmune disease of the digestive system that can affect anywhere between your mouth and your butthole, basically. And what it is, is that your body um, autoimmune basically means that your body is attacking itself. And so my body was attacking my digestive system and literally creating holes or like ulcers in my Gut, so like I said, anywhere in the whole digestive system, and it created a lot of problems and leads to malnutrition mainly because you're not able to absorb nutrition through your small intestine when it is um, inflamed and damaged. And this all happened to me when I was I was 21 years old when I was first diagnosed. I was um, just I had just graduated from undergraduate school. I was going to school in Indiana University and just had finished with a um, art history degree and I had been traveling around like um, basically taking trains and hitchhiking down California with a girlfriend of mine and I weighed like at that point like 90 pounds. I was like sicker than sick and ended up moving back home with my parents afterwards because I was so malnourished and I didn't know what was wrong with me. And I was so not woo woo or in tune with my body, but at any means at this point, like I was very much, um, eating foods that weren't doing anything good for my body. They weren't for my highest good or anything like that. And I didn't know any better at the time. I, like I said, I was not in tune with what my body needed. And so, um, through all of that i ended up having a very life altering experience that i like had to move home with my parents and go to the mayo clinic and all of these things and was diagnosed with crohn's disease and was put on all these insanely crazy medications where i was like in the hospital and hooked up to ivs for like 6 hours at a time and that really both separates you and connects you to your body at the same time like i felt very disconnected from my body because it felt like there was a full on assault that my body was doing to itself and I couldn't understand why this was happening and like what I had done to create this like war within inside myself. But at the same time it was very connecting cause I was like really starting to notice like, okay, if I, I do this, if I do thing a, then like result B happens or if I eat this thing, then this thing is happening. And so, um, the, There was a whole series of events that um, really brought me more in tune with what my body needed. And then through taking this medication that was so strong and really energetically lowered the vibration of my body um, that – even though I was starting to come into my body more at the time and understand more of what was going on in my body, I also felt disconnected because of this medication's effect on um, how my body was reacting. And so because of that, that's how I got interested in Chinese medicine and to make a long story short um, basically through working with energy and Chinese medicine, getting connected with um, herbs and crystals and all those things. Um, this was very much a, a development that's happened within the last, like, you know, five, seven years of my life.
0: Mm. I'm curious to to hear a little bit more about what you said about really getting in tune with your body and what that kind of process looked like. I think sometimes um, I can find that phrase, like, a little bit confusing. Like, I can go to this point of – what's the best way to put it? Like, over-analyzing every sensation that I have in my body and thinking that I know – exactly what that means or that I have to be a detective of like, oh, I had this like really brief cramp, for example, like, does that mean I shouldn't have eaten such and such? And I'm curious, like, if you could talk a little bit more about what that looked like to really get in tune with your body in a way that's now kind of creating harmony for you and has is – you're kind of speaking its language, I guess.
1: Yeah. So I guess I can relate it in this way, Um, just like any type of intuition, like – you know, we're both business owners and we are in this online business sphere and whatnot. And when you think about when you follow your intuition, when it comes to business, you've got your, your gut feeling, but then you also... have have your um, what do they call it? Like your inner critic, where it's that little voice in the back of your head that's like, "Oh, you should be doing this," or everyone else is telling you to do it this way, or like, "What if this thing happens?" or "You're not good enough," or "You need more training." And I feel like that's the same thing can happen in our body. Like we can take a really like loving perspective when we're looking at how we listen to the signs that our body is telling us, or we can take a really analytical, like overly critical viewpoint and. Come at it from a state of fear um, as opposed to a state of love. And I think that's where it really changed for me. Like, instead of, like, even though when I was sick and I was really trying to analyze what was going on in my body and I would get kind of critical and like write down in a food journal what I was eating and how often I was pooping and (laughs) what that poop looked like and how I was feeling and my emotions and stuff. And it was good to have some of that data, but then I would have to remember to like step back and just say, okay, well, let me gut check this. And like, even though it says that, you know, I ate this thing and this thing happened, like Gut checking wise, do I really think that it was that food or do I think that I was in um, consuming that food while feeling very stressed and in like a sympathetic nervous system state as opposed to like a relaxed parasympathetic nervous state? And did that have more to do with it? And a lot of it just really came back to like having that gut check feeling of um, coming at it from a more loving perspective instead of like a everything I'm doing is wrong and like hurting myself.
0: Mm, that's so huge. Um, I love to talk. You know, I know listening to your intuition is a big, important part of, you know, your world philosophy, if you will, and and for me as well. I think the more that we can start to trust that gut feeling and those whispers and those little niggly feelings over that voice of what we should be doing or what we think everybody else is doing or or the inner criticism. And I'm curious, what are the ways that you like to tap into your intuition and kind of? Get that gut feeling check
1: Um, I Often will just check in With how my body feels so if It feels contracted Restricted um, If it feels like A frenetic vibration as opposed to Like a there's like a good buzzing Where you like feel high on life (laughs) And then there's that like anxiety Vibration where you like Feel that you've had too many cups of Caffeine and like you're vibrating too Much versus when you're so um, maybe struggling with depression and you feel that there's n- almost no vibration and you can't get enough momentum to even step out and mm move forward. And so I always come back to the physical because that's like the realm that I work in is this like more physical and energy medicine. Um, But I've also had conversations with people that will say, um, like I had a conversation with Jen Carrington recently, and she was talking about how there's certain habits that she'll fall into. And she knows that she's not following her intuition when she falls into this set of habits that she knows isn't for her highest good. And so I can really see that happening too. like, even recently, for me, I've become totally obsessed with watching Gilmore Girls because I never watched Gilmore Girls like in the what, like late 90s or early 2000s and came across it recently and started watching. And I find myself like kind of obsessively watching it sometimes, like one episode after the next, like really Netflix binging. And when I'm doing that, I'm like, oh, I know that this is me trying to literally like avoid doing something else because like this is not for my highest good. And I feel like I'm falling into a, a hole when I do that and and that's a good indication for me like oh I need to have Tony my husband literally like turn off the TV and not let me watch any more TV and like go do something else because um, this is my gut telling me that this something is wrong and something is
0: off oh that's so interesting um, because for me recently and I think I wrote about this on my blog a little bit about how I had been binging on Netflix a a lot over the summer and had been giving myself a really hard time about it and was saying, you know, like, this is obviously a way of numbing or, um, yeah, avoiding, like you said. And then when I started talking to – started working with a coach slash therapist and talked to her about it, this kind of sense of lethargy lethargy that I was experiencing – I came to realize like how how deeply in need of rest my body was, and how Netflix had become like this this way of getting rest. Like I was sleeping a lot, but not feeling rested, and and um, yeah, it, being able to I, take I the s- judgment out of it. So it's, it, I think, yeah, there's that sense of like tapping into to the deeper thing behind it, because sometimes there totally is the numbing, and then there's other times when it's the the downtime, I guess.
1: Right. And to to everybody their own, like, I know that for me, I absolutely will use Netflix as like a downtime um, as well. But the it felt different. Like, I I guess I don't even know how I can verbalize it other than um. I, let me rephrase this. I do know how to verbalize it. Like when I am in that same sort of state, then it actually does feel like enjoyable mm-hmm. to watch Netflix that much. And to me, it almost felt like compulsive like this way where like when you're eating food even though you're totally full and you don't need another more soulful totally. like you're physically feeling full but you're continuously consuming out of compulsion that's how it felt for me or it's like I don't need any more tv right now but I'm compulsively putting it and consuming it into my body even though I don't actually want it
0: and I've totally been there with the Netflix and the food as well and like you can usually <laughs> like if you if you're willing to to kind of sit with it, like I can usually tell what it is I'm avoiding or what might be actually more nourishing or, um, like you said, like more for my highest good in that moment. And, and then, you know, obviously there's a conversation, um, about, about why I'm avoiding it, but yeah, I think that's a really good point, that distinction. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned you're a health coach and an acupuncturist and a Chinese herbalist. And I'm wondering if you could kind of break that down and tell us a little bit more about what that means and the work that you do with your clients in each of those fields. Yeah, so
1: um, they all kind of run into each other in the sense that, like, I've been doing health coaching with my in-person acupuncture and herb patients for many years. And now recently as a I break off and do more solitary health coaching I've been incorporating more um, energy work into that health coaching practice so I'm really trying to integrate it all because in the beginning it really did feel like two separate businesses and that didn't feel good for me it was actually producing a little bit of anxiety on my part and I was like no this is this wasn't the reason why I decided to do this like I went into this because it felt like it was my calling and that it was I really enjoy helping people and so my goal goal is to really integrate this into one cohesive business. I'm still in the process of doing that, though, because I'm still learning as I go when it comes to, like, how to integrate all of this. But um, when it comes to the actual actual acupuncture practice, um, my practice is here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I specialize in digestion. Like I said before, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease of the gut about gosh, it was in like 2004 when I was first diagnosed. So I, um, I have a lot of expertise in that department. And as I was in acupuncture school and working with um, clients in the student clinic, I, at first I wasn't even planning on treating like digestive diseases. I was going to treat musculoskeletal, like aches and pains. Like I said, I was in CrossFit and I was like, oh, I have all of these CrossFitters that want to, want to come and see me and get treated for all their aches and pains this is what I'm gonna do this is great I've got this whole business model all set up and then I actually start practicing and I'm like oh I don't like treating pain at all (laughs) like this is not what I want to do and what and I kept getting more and more patients with digestive difficulties and headaches and insomnia and anxiety and I feel like all of those things are super connected like what goes on in and our guts really affects the chemistry in our brains and the stress that we take on in our lives It really affects how our guts are healing and reacting. Um, and this all has a lot to play when it comes to headaches and insomnia, too. So those are the things that I mainly treat in my acupuncture practice. It's anything digestive-related, headaches, insomnia, anxiety, and depression in there, too. It all kind of goes together, um, And same thing with herbs, herbs are just kind of in my acupuncture practice, I would say, like 60 to 70% of my acupuncture patients are also on herbs. And then when it comes to health coaching, um, I still specialize in more um, digestive function and stress management and anxiety, but I'm specifically working with um, other online business owners and helping them really vitalize. Uh, Sorry, Um, they really tried to like increase their health so that it can fuel their hustle because I was seeing so many online business owners kind of work themselves into the ground. And I really wanted to instill the idea into them that their health is a main factor into having a successful business. Like you can't have a successful business if you're running yourself into the ground all the time. And so that's where my focus really lies in my health coaching practice.
0: And you've mentioned the term energy medicine a few times. I recently read the book Energy Medicine by Donna Eden and found it really fascinating trying to to kind of work at balancing my ener- my subtle energies as much as I could. I was curious if you could just give a brief explanation for people who maybe haven't heard that term of what energy medicine is and maybe how it relates to our physical health.
1: I guess the the simplest way to explain it is that we all – I mean, our bodies are made up mostly of water, right? And if you think about when you, like, drop a pebble into water and you can, like, see all those, like, ripples move out, even though, like, it's those little waves and that's basically the energy moving out from the center, the same thing happens in our bodies. So acupuncture points are kind of like the the collection, they're like stronger energy centers in our bodies. And so by stimulating those points, we can create smooth flow of energy throughout the whole body. Because really, um, since we have energy flowing through our bodies all of the time, we want to have this smooth flow, we want it to be feel like gentle waves in the ocean. You know, that's a very calm, but moving sort of energy. And when there are our stagnation in the body. When there's pain in the body, when there's disease in the body, that basically means that that energy is not flowing the way it's supposed to. And so specifically with acupuncture, what we're doing is stimulating those specific energy centers in the body to, um, to stimulate the body's own innate healing response because the body knows how to heal itself. It's been doing it for thousands of years. And really acupuncture and energy medicine just stimulates that healing response that's already there
0: that's such a beautiful explanation. Thank you. And so now I want to ask you a really massive question and I get that it's massive <laughs> and so we can break it down in whatever way, um, works best for you. But I first found your website and your work cause you were launching a program called feel your hustle. And as I understood it, it was really about working with the, the elements of water, earth, metal, wood, and fire. And, and like you said, to feel your hustle and bring this kind of, um, Balanced your health into the way you're living your life. And I'm curious if you, you know, obviously you have a whole 10-week course about it. We can't go into it in that much detail. But if you could talk a little bit about how those elements are related to our body and a little bit about, you know, what we could expect from maybe working through the course or some things we could begin to implement in our own life.
1: Yeah. So a really good analogy when it comes to the five elements um, is the analogy of farming. So let's just start with like – in the spring, if you think of like a seed being planted and it the energy starts to move from the earth up to break through the ground. And so this energy has a much like a upward trajectory to it. And that's like springtime or what we would call this like wood energy. And then that plant starts to really come into full bloom and to really start to mature, which would be this very fiery element um, or summertime. And then it's going to really mature and start fruiting, which we would call, uh, we don't have this season in like Western civilization, but in ancient China, you kind of think of it as like late summer. And this is where everything is like ripening and, and it is, right about to harvest. And then in the fall, we've got this like metal element energy where things are ready for harvest and you, you know, pluck the fruit and the plants are getting ready to start decaying and like leaves will fall off the tree and we're releasing things that are no longer serving us anymore. And we're getting ready for this hibernation time of winter where we go into hibernation basically and the plants decompose back into the ground and the energy goes back into the soil like if it's a perennial then the energy is going back into the bulb and it rests and restores there so that it has the energy to start the cycle anew in the springtime and burst back forth through the earth with that aggressive energy that you need to burst through the soil and so there's this constant rotation each energy impacts the next one you can't have one without the other they all are in relation to each relationship to each other and you can use that metaphor in just about anything you know that's a metaphor of our lives we're we're born as babies and then we go through our lives and we mature and then we we pass away and are buried into the earth and our energy goes back into the earth and and whatnot and goes into future generations and and so this analogy just like I said, it can be used for anything. It's used in our health. It can be used in our business, which is what I am trying to teach my students and my courses um, that to really understand these elements will allow us to use them and their energies to the highest capacity and to not just um, enhance our health, but enhance how our businesses are run. And to, by really understanding this cycle, we can, we can, we can, engage this energy as opposed to working against it. And that will lead us to having really fruitful businesses that don't seem to take nearly as much energy to create.
0: Mm, I think that's so fascinating. It I was a big realization for me that I've been forcing myself and my energy to live in summer kind of continuously for so long, which I think, you know, so many of us do. And then, which makes sense now that my body has needed this kind of extended winter and and lots of netflix binges so yeah curious if you have any kind of starting points for beginning to work with each of these elements and these parts of the cycle in a more kind of authentic way
1: yeah well um so in in the five element theory of chinese medicine every element not only has a season that it corresponds to but also a color an organ system there are foods smells tastes you can basically take anything in the physical world or even the emotional world anything and categorize it within the five elements and so really starting to learn and understand the five elements will allow you to utilize and, and have actual tactical things that you can do so like eating foods that are, that correspond to that element to really supplement your digestive system and to strengthen that, or really um, embracing different cycles of meditation in your different parts of your life. Those are a couple things you can do. So um, I have a, I have some pretty good charts that I can also, I'm more than happy to share with you to at least show like what the maybe some good food. I'm more than happy to share with you a chart that breaks down some really common foods into the five elements that you can see which foods are going to support which elements in your life.
0: That would be so helpful. And then it'll give people a little taster. And then next time you open the cart for your course, they can, if they want to dive in deeper, obviously that seems like the best way to do it. Absolutely. Mm. So I love something that you said in the kind of pre-interview interview interview that we did, which was that food isn't evil, but not every food is right for every person and I wonder if we could kind of break that down and talk a little bit about it because obviously there's lots of us who have even unintentionally you know taken on some cultural beliefs around which foods are quote unquote bad and which are good and could you talk a little bit more about you know yeah food not being evil but also maybe finding out more about which foods just aren't for us in these bodies
1: Yeah, so I definitely see a big demonization of certain foods. Um, I myself have even taken a part of that. I think in the very beginning of my practice, I was a little bit more like on a tirade against sugar, which I still think that sugar can be really detrimental to a lot of aspects of our body. But I don't think that it's like – that we need to have it eliminated from our diets all the time. You know, sugar is a big part of our emotional well-being sometimes as well because there's a lot of, like, um, historical and emotional connection to it. But at the same time, there's way too much sugar in our, like, Western American diet overall. That being said, um, that's a pretty good example of, you know, sugar is a good example, but also for those of us that grew up in the 80s, like, that whole – um, low-fat craze that was going on that was not um, actually beneficial for our health whatsoever and has now been proven to have really been a part to play in the obesity epidemic that we have in our culture nowadays because when you decrease fat in your diet, then you have to replace it with something else, and it was getting replaced with sugar. But so I, I definitely feel that um, foods are being demonized when it's all about – It's all about finding what's right for you. So here's an example. Um, Say somebody has a weak earth element and their digestive function isn't strong enough to digest food properly. That person um, is not going to be in their best interest to have a green smoothie for breakfast every morning. Mm. Because a green smoothie is very cold. It's cold cold. Um, physically, because it's usually f- like fruits and vegetables from the refrigerator or the freezer. And it's also cold thermodynamically or like ener- energy wise, because fruits and vegetables are thermodynamically cold. Um, if you think about eating a piece of watermelon, even if it's a room temperature watermelon, it's still going to cool you down. Or eating a piece of mint like a mint leaf. it's still going to cool you down even if it's not technically quote-unquote cold so that being said somebody that has um a weak earth element or even a weak fire element because the fire they need that digestive fire to break things down those people aren't going to um it's not going to be in their best interest to have a green smoothie for breakfast any morning because they don't have enough of digestive fire to warm up and transform those thermodynamically and physically cold foods. And what will happen is they'll end up getting loose stool and diarrhea more frequently. So those sorts of people, um, even though, you know, green smoothies are full of nutrition and for some people it's fabulous. It's not for everybody. Those people, it would do them a lot better to maybe have, a mug of soup in the morning you know, they could still get a lot of those like green vegetables in a soup but it's going to be processed it's going to be cooked down which is going to change the thermodynamic of the food from being so cold to being a little bit warmer and sometimes the soups they'll be you know, spices and like chili or something like that, which will also change the thermodynamic um, temperature of the food. So that's going to be a lot more warming for the stomach and they'll be able to process that a lot better. So it's, it's not that green smoothies are bad for everybody. It's just that not everybody needs them.
0: I love that example too, because it's not like one of those demonized foods like gluten. It's the green smoothie that we all think that we should be eating and then some of us realize it doesn't it doesn't work that well for us.
1: Right. Like I I the thing that just bothers me is when I go on like Pinterest and it's like here's the new magic food that everyone needs to eat and it's like okay that food is super nutritional and like that's great but I don't think that there is any food out there that everybody needs to have. You know, there's not like one super food out there that's going to solve everyone's problems. There are certain things that are going to be better for certain people, and there's other things that are going to be better for other people. And so it's all about finding what's right for you, which is why I love the five elements because it really takes that into consideration.
0: Totally, and I think there's can to- there can be this danger of like, we see that the green smoothies or maca or whatever it is, is like creating these massive changes for one person's body that we know and obviously like they're loving the changes so they want to tell us all about it and yes. <laughs> then it, there can be this sense of disappointment or failure when it doesn't work for us or we're not getting the same results and then it feels like there's totally wrong with us.
1: Totally. And I love your example of the maca too, because like maca is also like a fabulous herb, but it's really warming. Like from a Chinese medicine perspective, it's really tonifying for our yang. You know, we've got yin and yang. It's really tonifying for our yang, which is great if you need... Yang tonifying, but if you tend to be more fiery and yang anyway, and you're actually really yin deficient and need more yin foods, maca is not going to be the right thing for you. Like if you're going through menopause and you're taking in a lot of like um, yang tonifying foods, but you're actually like having night sweats or like hot flashes, you might actually get worse night sweats or hot flashes from foods that are super yang tonifying. And so, it's a great example.
0: And so how do we find out which elements we're strong in and which we're weak in and so that we can figure out what foods are best for our body
1: um generally working with a chinese medicine practitioner is going to be the best way to find out
0: cool yeah um and is that something that people can do with you online or is it something you need to do in person you can
1: absolutely do it online um there are some diagnostic techniques that chinese medicine practitioners would you know, really love to do in person, like, for instance, looking at somebody's tongue, which you can kind of do through Skype, but it's not going to give you super accurate um, visibility, and also feeling somebody's pulse. Those are two diagnostic techniques that we do in clinic um, that are really helpful and that I'm not able to do through health coaching sessions. But there's um, just through, like, online intake forms, you can still find out a lot about somebody's element.
0: So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your tarot practice and, you know, are you pulling one card a day? Um, What kind of spreads do you love doing? How is this, you know, a tool for deepening access to your intuition?
1: Yeah, so I would say that my tarot practice is still in its infancy. Um, I have been practicing tarot for less than one year, but I kind of really dove headfirst in and have been um, really utilizing it both personally and professionally. Um I do a daily draw every day that's just kind of a a basis for either my meditation for the day or if I am looking for insight to what I should expect for the day or you know anything like a normal daily draw would would guide somebody on. But then I also do um I do a lot of like three and four card spreads so like a um either past, present, future, or like a strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, um, and, um, sorry, we're forgetting what the last one is, but like challenges, that's it. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and challenges. Those are some spreads that I do pretty often. And then like, I really love doing new moon and full moon spreads as well. And honestly, for those, like some of it, I, We'll just create intuitively and some of them I love looking on um, Little Red Tarot. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a woman – are you familiar with Beth from Little Red Tarot? I really love her website. I actually um, bought a reading from her a couple months ago and really enjoyed it. Um, So those are some of the – different tools that I use when it comes to tarot and I've actually been incorporating it into my health coaching a little bit. I haven't um, been doing it a whole lot, but for some of my health coaching clients who are as woo woo as fuck as I am or are at least open to it um, every once in a while, I'll just get a, you know, a sense that they need some insight from the cards and I'll ask them, is it okay if I pull some cards for you? Like I never pull cards for anybody without asking permission. But if they say that it is OK, then I will pull three cards and I usually do a something they need to let go of, something they need to hold on to or like uh, they need to build build upon more. And then just like a guiding message that the cards want to tell them. And I'll just pull three cards and I will share that reading with them. And I I don't do as much of like a traditional tarot reading where like, I'm telling them what the cards are meaning. I'm more like pulling the cards, explaining my interpretation of the cards to them, and then asking them like, you know, how do you, how does, how do you relate to to what I'm telling you? And what do you think about this? And it's been really insightful. It's been great.
0: And so since you're, you know, still pretty new to your tarot journey, are you using a specific book or website to learn the the different meanings associated with the cards, or are you doing that completely intuitively? I, well, so the very first deck
1: I got, it was the Terra deck. It's, like, it's really based on the traditional, like, Rider Waite imagery, but it's with, um, like, Art Deco imagery. But if you look at the cards, like, the scenes in the cards are almost identical to Rider Waite. So I did, I actually bought Beth's like alternative tarot course a couple months back, maybe like six months ago. And I went through that course and that really helped me tap into the like intuitive reading of the cards. She teaches a little bit about um, the elements, not the Chinese five elements, but more of like the Ayurvedic, like four elements. So the more like air and earth and water and like the fire. And so, and each suit corresponds. Onto one of those, and then talks about numerology and whatnot. And so I was able to learn more about how to read the cards intuitively that way. But I absolutely still look at books. Like I mostly look at BiddyTarot.com or um, the little like guidebook that came with my tarot deck. Those are the two that I look at the most. But I definitely try to like pull the card and look at it first, and really say, okay, well, like what do I see happening in this card? Like this is if this was a painting and like. like. Like, I was an art history major, so I used to look at paintings all day long and have to analyze them. So, like, say I was doing this for class, like, what would I infer from this picture? And then what about my own experiences personally can I incorporate with that to have it, to give it more personal meaning for me?
0: I love that. And so shifting gears, and I like to ask everyone this question, um, when it comes to your own personal development, what are you working on learning or implementing?
1: Ooh um I I would say that this whole like real woo woo thing even though I've like even though I'm an acupuncturist and I really probably have been woo woo like my entire life without actually realizing it I didn't really give it a name until recently and um put as much like thoughtful energy into it it was always just like been there but now I'm actively trying to incorporate it more so like definitely learning tarot better is something that I've been putting a lot of energy into personally. And then, um, in my business, like specifically in my acupuncture practice, I recently got a book about how to incorporate, um, crystals and, um, rocks basically into my acupuncture treatments. Um, and i had always had a lot of crystals and I would just like kind of use them intuitively, but this is like, literally a 300 page textbook that is a materia medica of like every crystal out there in the world and like how you basically would create formulas using crystals because in Chinese medicine um, when you create an herbal formula you don't just like have you usually don't give a single herb in Chinese medicine. You don't just say like, oh, you've got this one thing. I'm going to just give you licorice. And like you sometimes do that in Western medicine, you do single herbs a lot. But in Chinese medicine, you do formulas and each herb has has a function. So there's usually the emperor herb, which is like, The main, it treats the main symptom that you want to treat. And then you have assistant herbs that maybe treat some other symptoms that you know are corresponding. And then you maybe have like a general herb, which will guide the formula to the right energy channel or to the right energy organ or to the element. And then you have a harmonizer that just lets all of the other herbs like work together in harmony. And this book talks about crystals in the same way. So you're not just using one single crystal, you're always working with three or four crystals together and you choose like the emperor and then the assistants and then the general and then the harmonizer. And it was like blowing my mind when I learned that. I was like, oh, this changes everything. And so I've been totally obsessed with this book. And that's what I've been putting my energy into lately.
0: That's amazing. What is the book called?
1: Okay, it's called Stone Medicine, A Chinese Medical Guide to Healing with Gems and Minerals. And it's by Leslie Franks.
0: Thank you. I'll add that to the show notes.
1: Yeah, it's like literally 500 pages long, and it's so awesome.
0: So this is another question that I ask everyone, and I know you've just mentioned one thing that would fit this category, but maybe you've got another. So what's one thing, and it could be frivolous or totally spiritual and serious, whatever you want, what's one thing that you're obsessed with these days that's making your life better?
1: Um, Okay, so other than the tarot and the stone medicine and the crystals, I recently got back into EFT, which is like tapping. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have been familiar with tapping for a long time and I've used it personally in the past. Um, But something recently, and I I don't even know what it was, but for some reason I was called to like start incorporating it again. And I've um, been trying to make it a habit to do it every single day lately. And I'm usually not a habitual person. Like I, there are definitely things that I do every day, but I don't, I don't always do them right when I wake up in the morning or always do it this way. Like I, I can't create habits in that same way that other people do, but I've been incorporating EFT in some capacity every single day. And it's been, um, it's been really awesome. I've been really enjoying getting back into it and it's made some pretty significant shifts go on in my, um, in my own head and like the, the things that I'm telling myself basically.
0: For people who haven't heard of it, could you just give a brief explanation of what tapping is?
1: Yeah, it's um, EFT stands for Emotional Freedom Technique, and it is basically an acupressure practice. So it, it stimulates certain acupressure points um, on the hands and head and upper torso, um, and it is used to energetically shift things in the body. Um, a lot of people will use it. It tends to be used more for like limiting beliefs and emotional disruptions in the body, but it can also be used for physical manifestations as well. I prefer to use it for emotional um, issues that I'm going through. Like, uh, like I mentioned before, when I was feeling really unmotivated, and watching a lot of netflix and gilmore girls and feeling really stuck i started that's actually when i started using the eft because i was like i gotta get out of this funk like i don't know what's going on um but it can be used for physical ailments as well i just have other tools in my toolbox when it comes to physical ailments so i haven't been doing that
0: and do you have like i don't know if a system is the right word but is it pretty obvious to you every day what you want to tap on or are you kind of going through anything to figure out, okay, this is the thing that really needs to need some work here.
1: No, I kind of do like a brain dump. Um, I'm not much for writing. Like I know there's people out there that like journaling is their thing, but that just isn't me. I'm more of a verbalizer, which I think is why I like tapping because it's almost like a verbal journaling. And so the the first point that you usually tap on when you are um, going through the tapping protocol basically it's called the karate chop point and in Chinese medicine it's basically the small intestine three to small intestine four area of the hand and so what I'll do is I'll just start tapping that area and I'll just like word vomit like all the things in my head that are like bothering me and sometimes when I find the thing that I want to tap on either my hand will like literally hurt for a second when I tap like it'll just feel different physically in my hand when I tap on when I'm saying that phrase and tapping it'll feel different or something will just click in my head and be like that's what I want to tap on today and so I, I kind of go with it that way and then once I've decided then I go through the whole system.
0: Amazing that's such an interesting way to do it and I think that's really helpful rather than trying to I don't know there are there are other ways that I've thought about using FT that just seem a bit more contrived and that seems really natural and authentic.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think when I first learned about EFT, I I understood it at the time to be like a – Um, very scripted thing where like Mm -hmm. you, you say that one phrase like over and over again, you like, you know, you choose how to fill in the blank, but then you basically repeat that thing. And that didn't resonate with me at all. And so the, I had tried tapping a couple times doing it that way. And I was like, this ain't working for me. Like, I don't know what the deal is. And then I kind of threw that out the window and did it more like a, peeling of an onion where like you just free flow and it felt like every every time I went through the system it was like peeling back another layer of the onion and it would get like deeper and deeper. But it was totally not the scripted way of doing it at all. And I was like, oh well this is how I'm gonna do it because it's how it works for me. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but like there's really no such thing as right or wrong when you're shifting energy in the body. So like fuck it, whatever. <laughs>
0: Totally, and I think the peeling onions analogy is really good because I think that's when EFT can be really effective. I think, I mean, maybe the scripted um, version works for, you know, for kind of reprogramming some of those limiting beliefs, but the, the kind of real transformation stories that I've heard and experienced around EFT are almost kind of like that combination of acupuncture, so shifting the energy, but also really like almost talk therapy with yourself. You're peeling back deeper and deeper and getting to the heart of those issues.
1: Absolutely, totally. Which is why I think I like it because I'm not a journaling person. And so it's just me just like talking it out with myself.
0: So, as we wrap up, how can people work with you or support your work?
1: So um, my website is amykoretsky.com. Right now, uh, my health coaching client roster is full for this fall, but I'll start taking clients again in the winter. So you can shoot me an email if you are interested in working with me, and then we can get you on the wait list. Otherwise, I recently started my own little like mini podcast because I found that, like I said, I'm more of a verbalizer than a writer. And so I had been writing blog posts every week, and I was like, oh, this is like not as fun as it should be. And so I was like, oh, I don't have to do it this way. I can rewrite my own rules. And so I started recording these really short mini podcasts. They're super like DIY. I don't even have like intros or outros. And they're usually like 10 to 15 minutes long. um, And they're super actionable. And so my podcast is called Health Fuels Hustle. And it is, you know, short, actionable health tips and inspiration for online business owners. And that's on iTunes and Stitcher.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much, Amy.
1: Thank you for having me, Sarah.
0: You can find the show notes for this episode at sarahstars.com slash podcast slash 55. If you want to help this podcast grow and reach even more amazing women with these conversations, there are a few things you can do. First, of course, you can leave a rating or view on iTunes. That really helps to hack the algorithm or whatever and get us seen by more people on iTunes. Another thing that you can do is come and join the conversation in Girl Gang HQ. That's our private Facebook community where you can talk about all of this stuff in a really safe and supported place, continuing the conversations that we have on the podcast. So if you just search Girl Gang HQ, as in short for headquarters, you can find us on there. And something cool that we're doing recently in that group is starting a street team. So I've ordered postcards that you could hand out to friends who you want to share the podcast with. You could leave them in your favorite cafes or to give them to people you meet. Maybe even tuck them into the pages of your favorite books at the bookstore. We're trying to be really creative about spreading the word. So if you join us in Girl Gang HQ and let me know you want to be in the street team, I will mail you a bunch of postcards along with a thank you letter for supporting us in this way. So those are the big ways that you can support the podcast right now. And be sure to stay tuned for next week's episode with Lisa Lister, my good friend. And you might remember her from episode eight of the podcast. Crowd, the Defender of Female Awesomeness by Cooler Magazine. Lisa Lister is an advocate for the full female experience. She's a writer, a menstrual maven, and creatrix of the She Flow System, yoga, women's wisdom, and menstrual health, and down there care practices. Dedicated to helping women crack their lady code reconnect with their body wisdom, and love their lady landscape. We sat down to talk about the societal trauma caused by patriarchy, reclaiming our she power, dancing between devotion and spontaneity, and what it means to be a witch. Until then, grab your girl gang and have a conversation that matters.